This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. No one is funnier than you. People laugh just thinking about the things you've said. I'm laughing at one of them right now. Coworkers repeat your jokes at the office, but they're never as good as when you tell them and shame on them for trying. There. Don't you feel better? You'll also feel better knowing you could save when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Although I'm sure you'd have a funnier way to say that. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Now available at Dundrum Town Center. So you can now use your toll tags to park in our car parks. Simply register at easytrip.ie forward slash parking. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Dundrum, where more happens. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe. With locations in Burbank and Darien, visit chuckscafe.com and seatgiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE to check out to save. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I, Chicago! Welcome into what feels like a long overdue full-on edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I am James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, fully recovered from his uh, brush with the Black Plague or whatever (laughs) he had, the 670 The Scores, Jay Zawoski. Jay, it is good to hear you healthy. It is good to hear you not being dead. How are you, my friend? Uh, Doing better. Doing better. Just awful and sick the last couple weeks, and... This is crap is going around, man. I, I'm actually pretty fortunate that we haven't had a major like flu illness in our house, knocking on wood, of course. Um, we've been able to avoid that, but just a horrible, like crippling cold, horrible head cold last week. So I couldn't even talk, let alone do a podcast. So that was uh, that was out of the question. But thanks, everybody, for bearing with us. Uh, thanks for joining us, even though the Hawks are not very good anymore. I, I promised in my last <laughs> postgame show... And I don't know if James, if you heard it or not, but uh, I sort of promise everybody, like, even though the Hawks are bad, stick with us. We're going to have some fun. We're going to spread our wings a little bit and do some bigger picture stuff. So even though the team is bad, doesn't mean there's not things to talk about for the present and the future. Um, So we'll be here for you. Uh, Just hopefully you guys will be there for us as well. But um, a lot going on. Full disclosure, it's 8.23 p.m. The Hawks in Vegas, Golden Knights have yet to drop the puck. And I truly don't know if it matters anymore. Uh, to get to the point of breaking down every game, we'll continue our post-game podcast. Maybe not every single game anymore uh, because the season is basically lost, but um, we'll do our best to do it as often as we can. Um, but, man, it's just been a brutal run. And since Patrick Kane said the Hawks have to go 
23 and 10 to make the playoffs they've gone what two and eight two and nine that sounds correct yeah so they're um not not looking like they're gonna hit the uh benchmark set forward by the grade 88 you don't think 21 and one is attainable no not by this squad no maybe if they were able to poach the best player from every team in the nhl they might have a shot at that maybe it's funny, you know, as they've been in this free fall, a lot of people have been sort of tweeting about their playoff chances. We are finally at the point now where the Hawks have a better chance of winning the draft lottery than they do of making the playoffs. And that is something I never thought I'd ever say with this core group of players, ever. No, and I also thought we would never have to potentially broach that subject on the podcast i guess that uh you and i better start watching some uh chl action jay because we're gonna need to start uh scouting some of these guys yeah you know and it's man it's just it's not a place that I, I knew this was coming right i think you and i both knew that within the next three or four years things were going to start to go south but this is happening too quickly this has happened too soon uh you've got really none of your star players performing well and i hear a lot of people when they talk about this team say there's talent issues say that you know the team's not deep enough but when you take a look at things it's not those lower level guys that are really hurting you it's the fact that jonathan taves isn't scoring it's the fact that brandon Saad has not put the puck in the back of the net since january 7th patrick kane is in a slump the only guys really doing a thing on this team are nick schmaltz and alex debrinkit that's yep. truly, really it. And that's troubling that those two guys, two of your younger, obviously more important players for now and the future, but two of your younger guys who should be complementary players, they are head and shoulders the best Blackhawks right now. And for me to say that about a team that has Duncan Keith, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, Brandon Son, and Brent Seabrook on it is really, really bad news for me. Yeah, and how did Alex DeBrincat get rewarded for being one of the uh, best forwards on the ice? He got to play with uh, Lance Boma and Tommy Wingles last night. <sighs> See, if I'm using my backwards cue logic, and this is what you have to sort of do sometimes is look at it backwards, I wonder if that's cue, not punishing DeBrincat, but telling Boma and Wingles, hey, I like how you guys are playing. You're going to get to play with someone with some skill tonight. Maybe mm. that's the thought. I don't know. Maybe. Because if you look at it the other way, it doesn't make a damn bit of sense. <laughs> but if you're looking at it as a reward for Bowman and Wingles, and I think those are two guys that last night Joel Quenville sort of singled out as guys who have made a difference, who have come out and played hard and tried to make a difference in the game, and I agree with them there. I think Wingles and Boma have been two of the guys who have stood out, and that's another sad state of affairs when you're talking mm -hmm. about the bottom two forwards on the team as playing the best hockey among the you know among the best and most effective players lately that that's bad that's really yeah. bad that tommy wingles and, and lance bomer are the two guys getting rewarded for their quality play and like i said it's one of the few things this year that we really haven't been kind of able to at least nail a little bit like i thought they were just kind of interchangeable guys and i was like i feel like they're redundant and yada yada and they honestly have both come in and done exactly what they're getting paid to do, which is remarkable to me. But I was literally just thinking about this in the car on the way home from dinner, which I am stuffed silly right now. So if I start to kind of drift into a food coma, I'll make sure to let everybody know. But I was kind of thinking 
their performances this season are kind of being wasted now that the Blackhawks are not going to make the playoffs. Like, I don't think there's anybody who's like, oh, yeah, they're still going to make it. The No, they're not. And I feel like they almost should just, like, start to look at trading Boma and Wingles. You're not going to get a ton for those guys, obviously, but they could definitely help a playoff team get some forward depth. And I think the Blackhawks could get at least an asset, like a draft pick or whatever, for those guys and I would definitely consider trading them sooner rather than later just so you can get some younger guys up here from Rockford and get them some NHL action look to me there's really no one who's untouchable anymore aside from Debrinkit. real seriously I'm listening to offers on everybody at this point and it's really hard for me to say that about Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and I don't want to be I don't want to be knee jerky right I know there's teams that have, like, everything's, everything that could go wrong this year has gone wrong. There's no doubt about that, right? And if you look at last night's game, the Hawks get down, and then they start to, to make some noise, and then they give up a soft goal, right? Oh, and, my God, those the things, softest of goals. Of course. <laughs> and when things are going crappy and when things are not going your way, those things have a bigger psychological effect than they would during a standard season. And I think we are starting to see just the compounding of problems you're seeing guys with prolonged slumps and every game that goes by where that slump doesn't get busted it gets worse and worse and they play worse and worse and now you've just kind of gotten to like this giant snowball of failure and it's probably not really reflective of how good this team is or how good this team could be so you don't want to be overly knee-jerk reacting to this odd bad season but if someone's going to blow my doors off and say here's our top you know you know, a, a, an A an A plus prospect, plus a number of a bunch of number one picks and blah 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 blah. I'm considering trading pretty much anyone at this point. I think there's a difference between listening to offers and actively shopping, right. obviously. And I feel like sometimes the nuance maybe gets lost there a little bit. But I think you'd be an idiot not to listen to offers on some of these guys. Like like you said. I don't want to trade Alex DeBrincat. I feel like he's a guy that I want to keep moving forward. I can see him being a part of this team's core in like the next five years. Can I say that about a guy like Duncan Keith? Can I say that about Corey Crawford? Can I say that about Jonathan Taves? And the answer is not readily. Not It's not like a knee-jerk, like absolutely, like it used to be. And I saw like some columns today about how Corey Crawford needs to play to kind of prove himself for next season. Rose and I was like, A, what? And B, nah, man, like sit him out. Like who, like, why would you want to like risk furthering like whatever he's dealing with? You know, like I feel like it'd be a lot smarter to kind of sit him down and get him healthy. And, and I don't think that necessarily like impacts his trade value. Like I'm just, I'm looking at this as, We've got to get some of these younger guys up. And we also, like you said, just we have to listen to offers for some of these guys. Like, truth be told, nobody on this team other than maybe DeBrincat is untouchable. And even him, I would at least consider, like, if the price is right. But I probably wouldn't end up doing it. Yeah. And, and you know, you listen to what Stan Bowman has to say. Uh, he talked this weekend. And he, I don't know if he's just paying lip service or whatever. But I don't know if he's seeing the same things we are. I'm going to read this quote. He says, if anything, uh, this is about the veteran players. 
He says, if anything, we've got to try to get their games back. If some of them were nearing 40 years old, then you might say maybe their best years are behind them. But I look at these guys. They're still young guys. They're still in the prime of their careers. Maybe not the prime, but close to it. They've still got a lot of hockey left in them. Maybe he's right. Like I said, maybe we're looking at this from a uh, a heart standpoint instead of a head standpoint. But, man, you, you it's really hard for me to see a bounce back season next year without major changes and maybe that's the coach maybe that's a gm maybe that's a gm and the coach maybe it's a roster maybe a major roster turnover which they did this summer by the way um i just don't know what more they can really do you just kind of have to hope that jonathan taves finds his level again that brandon Saad bounces back with a 50 60 point season next year which would be still to me not enough but better you just have to sort of hope and pray that next season these guys can sort of find it again because there's no easy fix here there's no first of all all these guys who are struggling have never had lower trade value that includes Corey crawford because there's no one knows what the injury is it's been long term there was no moment of impact on his injury on the ice that everyone got to see it happened over a break Everyone knows there's been rumors around it about off-the-ice sort of things, uh, which I've since confirmed aren't true, but it doesn't mean that people are going to believe everything they hear. So he's never had lower trade value. Duncan Keith's never had lower trade value. Brent Seabrook's untradeable. It just, I don't know, man. You just sort of have to hope that with the development of some young guys and hopefully bounce back years from some of these vets that they can get back in it, um, to me, though, as of right now, and again, maybe this is just my heart, I just don't see where it's coming from. I just don't see how this team is going to suddenly all find it again. They all lost it at once, so I guess by definition, they could all find it again. But just from what I've seen, it just looks very, very dire, very, very bleak going forward. Yeah, what is the likelihood of Duncan Keith like having a resurgent Norris Trophy kind of campaign you know, at age 34. Is that like, I don't think that's likely. That doesn't strike me as something that's going to happen. I don't think that Brent Seabrook is finally going to find his speed again. I don't think that we can just chalk up Jonathan Taves to bad luck anymore. I mean, it's just like some of these guys just kind of who they are, who they are now. And as bad as that is, and as bad as this season has been, the reality is if you can get like something at least moderately decent for any of these guys, you do have to at least consider it. And I know that we've been kind of trying to say that we want to stay positive and we want to kind of emphasize the maybe the opportunities that are kind of here with this team. But unfortunately, in order to do that, we kind of have to start like at this base level where everybody's trade value kind of stinks right now. And it's going to end up being, I think, like opening salvos in this thing are probably going to be trades involving a guy like Artem Anisimov or Brandon Saad or maybe Corey Crawford if he can prove that he's healthy. I feel like those three guys are probably the trio that I would see as being not necessarily likely to move, but at least move a ball. And I'm not sure what kind of return you could get, but... In any of these discussions that we're having, I would start with those three over guys like Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook, who I don't think really have a whole lot of trade value at the moment. All right. I agree with you. Now, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to discuss the 
uh, comments that Mark Lazarus made this weekend on Twitter, and I sort of want to piggyback on those because I think over the last few days, a lot of us that cover the Hawks and care about the Hawks have seen some ridiculous things said about this team. So when we come back, I'm going to recap what Mark Lazarus said and sort of add my own commentary to it. And I'm sure James is going to want to chime in too. But before we do, we want to tell you about our good friends at Triple Threat Sports. Chris Hubble, done with his cancer treatment, feeling good, feeling better. Glad he's back. Glad he's getting to full health. But uh, if you want a perfect-looking NHL jersey, you want it to look like it looks on the ice at the United Center, Triple Threat Sports, you already know, is the place to go but if you have a team softball uh lacrosse volleyball whatever you need uniforms for your team triple threat sports is the place to go they're going to make it look awesome they're going to do a terrific job they made our shirts for the chicago wolves outing they looked outstanding way more than i even ever expected and i expected a lot triple threat sports is the place to go if you need anything for your team you need the logo even designed they can do that for you too so Head out to triplethreatsports.com, 708-478-6090, or email chris at triplethreatsports.com. That's chris at triplethreatsports.com. If you can wear it, they can make it. We'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, or as I like to call it, the Sunshine Funshine Hour with Jay and James as we try to make you feel better about the Chicago Blackhawks team. And in that spirit of trying to make you feel happy and giddy and put a smile on your collective faces, Jay Zawaski is going to tell you why you're a crappy fan. Jay, take it away. I'm not telling you why you're a crappy fan. I just want to remind people of stuff. And this is Mark Lazarus. This tweeted on February 10th, which was what? Friday, Saturday, whatever. Try again. It would be Saturday. He says, uh, let me preface this ill-advised rant by saying I'm well aware that hashtag Blackhawks Twitter is not representative of the fan base as a whole. This is a place of extremes. That said, dot, dot, dot. Again, this is Mark Lazarus for the Sun-Times on Twitter. He says... This is not Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score. Do not blame him. Do not address hate mail. Not yet. He says, what astounds me is how much so many of you seem to hate these guys, the Blackhawks. You don't lament Seabrook's decline. You despise him for it. You hold his contract against him like he robbed you personally, as if you would have turned it down. You don't wonder if Jonathan Taves is slipping. You want to fire him into the sun for slipping. You hate him. You hate Jonathan freaking Taves. All Duncan Keith has done is win two Norris trophies and a Conn Smythe, and you hate him because he's lost a step in his 13th season. You don't lament his contract. You hate him and want him gone. I don't want to be homery here. This season is a disaster in many ways, but JFC, you know what that means, get a grip and get some perspective. You've got three cups in nine years, and you hate these guys. What the hell kind of fan are you? Be sad, be frustrated, rage against management, sure. Want them traded for cap reasons even. That's all legitimate and warranted in some cases, but the vitriol you spew with players who brought you so much over the years, Jesus, get a grip. You know what most fans would give to have a decade like you've had. Now, I'm applauding Mark Lazarus for this. I agree. And I'm and, and again, I don't think that this is the majority of Hawks fans, but it's way more than it should be. I saw people today on Twitter saying Duncan Keith sucks. Right? Duncan Keith should be benched. Look at me. Duncan Keith is still a very good defenseman. Still perhaps all-star level. Yes, you were spoiled 
by the fantastic, historic, Hall of Fame, Norris Trophy, hands down best defenseman in the league, probably best defenseman in Blackhawks history seasons that you've seen from Duncan Keith. He's 34 years old. He's played 30 minutes a night for 13 years, not including playoffs, not including Olympics, not including any of the bonus hockey he's played. Get off his ass. He makes $5.5 million, which is a ridiculous steal for the Blackhawks for a defenseman of Duncan Keith's caliber. Brent Seabrook, of course, has slowed down. Of course, his contract is bad. Without Brent Seabrook, you don't win one of those three Stanley Cups. Same for Jonathan Taves. So while it's annoying and while these guys are not playing well, and yes, the criticism is valid, it is valid. But when fans make it personal and when fans talk about these guys as if they've never done or accomplished anything, it's ridiculous. I've said this before. I didn't make it up, but I've said it a lot. Father time is undefeated. And all these guys, every member of this core has a ton of mileage on it. And you know how you get mileage in hockey? By winning Stanley Cups. And the years you don't win Stanley Cups, you go to the conference finals and just miss out at another chance of doing it. Have some damn perspective here. We still talk about the effing 85 Bears as if they're royalty in the city. That's a team that should have won multiple championships that won one, and we can't get their junk out of our mouth long enough 33 years later. Meanwhile, you've got a team that's won three championships in the last nine years, and you're pissed off about it. I still hear about the old five White Sox. I hear still about Aaron Rowland running through walls, and A.J. Pruszynski is a god on the south side of this town. They won one World Series. One. You've got three from the Blackhawks, a team that most of the people who are bitching about this team didn't watch them 10 years ago or 11 years ago. So spare me the personal attacks. Spare me that this guy sucks. Understand what you're watching here. Understand what you've watched in the past and understand how privileged you've been to watch this core team play. Any fan base in this country, aside from the Pittsburgh Penguins, would kill to have the problems, air quotes, the Blackhawks have had this past decade. So I know you're annoyed. I know it's frustrating to watch the team struggle this year. I know it's disappointing. But have some perspective and think about what you're saying and who you're saying it about before you go on Twitter and hide behind your your Blackhawks avatar or whatever and, and be grateful for what you've had from this team and what they've given you. You know that this team has given you everything it's got from all the times they've been counted out in series and they've come back and won. I think you owe it to them to at least let them age gracefully and without the vitriol and hatred that they've gotten so far this season. Okay, rant over. I'm sorry. Three things. First of all, no one cares about the White Sox. ESPN has made that abundantly clear by repeatedly forgetting that they even won a championship or even exist. So... Screw the White Sox, my friend. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. Uh, The second thing I want to say is I do want to agree with the main thrust of all of this, and I think the thing that we all need to keep in perspective here is how god-awful this team was before Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves got here. You think you know bad in Chicago watching the Bears or watching the Cubs from like 2012 to 2014 just basically monkey humping a football their way through the baseball season. You think you know bad 
bad. Why would they hump a football? I'm, shut up. <laughs> I didn't bother you. Go, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't bother you while you were doing your little rant and rave session there. Anyway, my point is none of that holds a candle to what the Chicago Blackhawks put fans through when they were bad. When they were drawing like 4,000 fans a night at the United Center, bad. When they weren't on television, bad. So go ahead and, like you said, be mad. You know, say that Brent Seabrook has lost like 16 steps. All valid. Say that you can explore trading Duncan Keith because he's lost a step and isn't at his Norris Trophy self. Fine. Say that. Say that Jonathan Taves isn't earning $10.5 million a season. Fine. Do all of that. But know this. The teams, the Blackhawks teams from like 2000 to 2006, all would have killed, killed for one of these three guys now. Not during their cup runs. Obviously, that would have been a pipe dream. But these guys now would have been the best players on those damn teams. Oh, there's no doubt. Try to keep that in mind, man. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you're talking about teams where Tyler Arnes and Mark Bell and Kyle Calder were talked about as if they were going to be the next great Blackhawks players. And that was just yep. fans grasping at straws for something to feel good about. Tuomo Rutu. And Rodham Verbata yep. and all those guys. Yep. Well, Tuomo Rutu, we were all told, was next Peter Forsberg. And as much as I, jo- I joke about how much I love him, and I did like him when he was a Hawk, that dude was a huge disappointment and a huge yeah. bust comparative to what he was expected to be. Uh, to, look, here's the deal. If in a, I had a third point. If you oh, were I'm let sorry. Me I thought you were done. Jay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, man. I was only through points one and two. Okay. Go on. Hurts, Jay. Hurts. Point number three, and I think is worthy of further discussion. It's really, it's more of a question than like an observation. The question is, I feel like some fans feel like Mark Lazarus and those kinds of guys who are saying these kinds of things are equating fair criticisms like $10.5 million is too much for Jonathan Taves with vitriol. And I have to say, there there's a line somewhere between fair criticism and vitriol. And I think when we start getting into these kinds of conversations it gets really dicey to kind of try to start figuring out where that line exactly is. And I feel like a lot of fans felt personally attacked by what Mark said. I personally didn't because I definitely kind of get what he's driving at. But I feel kind of odd sometimes, like, policing the way that fans kind of react to the game. You know, like the way people's opinions are kind of shaped about what they're seeing. So... I I agree with a lot of what Mark said. The only thing I worry about is just kind of where to draw that line between fair criticism and vitriol. Uh, No, and I I think I hope I made that clear, too, that questioning their uh, performance or effort, which we have done after most of the games we've done post games after. I mean, that's kind of been one of our main concerns is where is the fight in this team? Where is the intensity in this team? Those are all fair things. But when you talk about when you start saying words like suck or, you know, get him off the team things like that it just it's the way it's done you know it's it sucks to see brent seabrook playing the way he does you know that's brutal and yeah his contract is bad and sam bowman should be held accountable for that one way or another but i just can't i can't stand by while people just trash these guys like how short is your memory right about we talked what three years ago 
about how this team was never out of a game, never out of a series. You knew that as long as there was time left on that clock, they were going to give you everything they can to come back and try to win that game. We haven't seen that this year, and that's been odd. But to just erase that past history and, and, and attack it with the anger and bitterment and bitterness and, and truthfully entitlement, that's what's really been bothering me lately. It's one thing to be critical. It's one thing to sort of uh, discuss like, okay, well, what's the future here? It's another thing to get personal and to just, for lack of a better word, just to be a dick about it. And uh, that's what's really been bothering me about it. One thing, by the way, I want to go back on, on your second point when I rudely interrupted you, and I apologize for that. Um, <laughs> you mentioned how Taves or Kane or Keith or Seabrook would be the best player on those teams. If you are a general manager or you're a franchise and in a decade you get one player like that right you consider that a huge win the hawks have four and they also traded for another one in marion hosa or signed another one in marion hosa who had terrific years here not his best career years obviously but had terrific years here you're talking about potentially i would say for sure four hall of famers on this on this core team Taves, Kane, Keith, and Hosa. Yep. I think Brent Seabrook might have an argument, but he doesn't have enough personal awards, in my opinion, probably to get in. I would, and, and he wasn't the best. I don't think you could ever say he was the best defenseman even on the Blackhawks. Like, any of those seasons, I still feel like Duncan Keith at least exceeded him. And then maybe in one or two of them, you can make an argument for Nick Jalmerson. Uh, I think you could if you watched every Hawks game. I think that, though, nationally – that I think people talk about Keith and Seabrook like they talk about McGuire and Canseco and you know, you know enough, what I mean I yeah. think it, it's they're seen as this tandem Brian Rizzo it's like a similar sort of thing they're all kind of all they're mentioned together just like Taves right. and Kane are so uh but yeah point take I don't think Brent Seabrook's Hall of Famer but I, the, the point remains you have four Hall of Famers on this last decade uh that is that is an, an embarrassment of riches so yep. um I don't know I think people get what we're saying here I think you know uh, and I think most fans realize it. And I know during a game when you're getting blitzed by the effing Arizona Coyotes 6-1, to one, your anger level sort of escalates. But just take a breath. As my buddy Jason Goff says, put on the Twitter condom for a second and think, and think about <laughs> what you're about to do uh, before you do it. Because I've had to hold myself back from really blasting a guy on Twitter and just say, look, James and I say this all the time. These guys are human. There are things that cause the things that are happening, be it age, be it frustration, be it lack of confidence, whatever. Uh, and, and just, you know, give these guys the benefit of the doubt because they have shown you for 10 years now uh, how quality of guys they are and how quality of athletes they are. And uh, I think they, they deserve the benefit of the doubt more often than not. All right. Let's take another time out. We come back. A couple more things. I want to get a little bit deeper into the Corey Crawford. Should he or should he uh, not play uh, in the second half of the year or, or last third, I guess you'd say, uh, and a couple other things before we get to the emails. But before the break, I want to tell you about our friends at Mariska's out in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street, like I said, in Crest Hill. Mariska's family-owned and operated since 1933. They were one of our first sponsors. You've heard us talking about them for years. They're famous for their poor boys. They are world famous, galaxy famous, universe famous, all those things. But everything at Marishka's is delicious. They got great steaks, seafood, chops, burgers, the double baked potato, the onion rings. Everything at Marishka's is terrific. They've got big facilities for up to 110 people. 
They've got a full craft beer menu, so make sure you check them out out in Crest Hill. That's marishkas.com or facebook.com slash marishkas, M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. Close only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So we want to thank Marishkas for their continued sponsorship. We love them. We're proud of them. We're proud to have them, rather, as part of our podcast. All right, so when we come back, we'll talk about Corey Crawford, then get your emails on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome into the third segment of the Chicago Madhouse nope. Hockey Pod. You know what? It's the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. <laughs> Dang it. I make mistakes, too, and you should all embrace your flaws like I do. You are the Brent anyway, Seabrook of this podcast, my friend. You know what? I don't even want to start talking about that because then I'm going to bring up the Duncan Keith has 160 shots on goal since the last time he scored, and I'll get sad. Because then we're just going to start getting into all the negatives again. So you know what? Embrace your flaws, people. That's what I'm going to say. Anyway, biting, before yeah, I biting my completely tongue. screw... Shut up. <laughs> you know what? Let's talk about Corey Crawford, Jay. Go ahead. So, yeah, Steve Rosenblum presented it today in the Tribune saying that Corey Crawford should come back just to see if he can do it again. And, uh, you know... <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I wasn't totally on board with his philosophy, but I just, I'm trying to think of why it might make sense to bring him back. And all I can really think of is for morale. So his teammates can see him on the ice, see him healthy. Um, maybe you pick up a couple extra points because you're not going to be worse than Forsberg and you're not going to be worse than Jeff Glass. That's another thing they probably need to solve this offseason too. Because as high a hopes as I had for Anton Forsberg, yeesh. Not good. Um, so come back for morale. And the other thing would be if you plan on shopping him or consider trading him this offseason, you're going to want to see potential trade partners see him in action and see that he can still play at a you know somewhat reasonable level of hockey. Um, I think that most people probably know he can. But like we mentioned earlier, because of some of the rumors around his injury, it might make sense to get him on the ice and – uh, just let him show that he can play. I think they should just shut him down for the year, though. That's what I would do. Um, there's no point bringing him back. The playoffs are a pipe dream. And uh, if you have any visions of winning anything next year, you're going to need Corey Crawford on this team because they have nothing in terms of goaltending in the system. And that's why I'm so, like, against the idea of showcasing him for a trade because I'm just like, look, if you really have any illusion that you're going to compete next year – you're telling me it's going to be without Corey Crawford? Please. Like, yeah, sure, you can trade for a goalie, but why on earth would you do that? Like, I feel like you have so many other needs on this team that trading for a goalie, to me, would be a waste of assets. Like, I feel like you would be better off just lighting a pile of money on fire because I just don't think that trying to trade away one of your best assets and then adding another need to the pile i think is silly if you're looking at it that way if you're looking at it as we're not going to be able to compete next year where this is going to be a two-year kind of rebuilding process then sure go ahead and maybe trade away Corey crawford but if you're looking at it as we're going to rebound and compete next year you need that guy healthy and that likely to me means shutting him down for the rest of the season and letting him get completely healthy instead of letting him potentially come back before he's ready yeah i agree with you if you're trading Corey crawford it's a full rebuild it's a full rebuild you're trading basically everyone you can uh you know and getting what you can and and sort of starting from scratch but again if you have any 
uh, visions of of competing at all, you have to have him. There's no because there's no replacement. You're not going to go find someone, you know that that's going to be a playoff caliber goalie uh, without Corey Crawford. So yeah, unless they're totally blowing it up, I think you keep him. And like you said, with that in mind, I am sitting him for the rest of the year. Yep, me too. And and I get like he wants to come back. Like that's totally, you know, that's an athlete's mantra is you want to play if you're if you feel like you're able to but I feel like sometimes like especially if there's any doubt on the part of Blackhawks doctors you have to err on the side of caution here there's no benefit then to rushing him back are you ready to do some emails my friend uh yeah I suppose that we can get this over with let's do it Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe. Today is, oh man, today is Fat Tuesday, and if you weren't at Chuck's, you were missing out. I tell you every week, they've got the best Cajun food in town. They've also got the best Mexican and the best barbecue and the best bar food. So basically, Chuck's has the best food ever. So you should have been out there today, but if you blew it, there's still chances to go out there every day and get their jambalaya, which I have deemed the best on earth, and I'm an expert because I'm fat. Um, Chuck's is awesome. Like I said, Mexican, Cajun, barbecue, bar food, whatever. The food there is terrific. My favorite is the Saturday special, the Coach Anita Pabil. That's probably my electric chair meal. If I'm going to die, that's going to be the thing I want to eat before I go. Um, they've also got great wings, the jambalaya, like I mentioned. The desserts, I don't know if I've ever mentioned the cobbler dessert, which is basically a hot pie covered in ice cream. Yeah, it's amazing. Try the cobbler when you go to Chuck's as well. If you like to drink, James, you like to drink. I know you're a big drinker. James loves to drink. I think he's drunk right now. Chuck's has the 125 beer club, or 120 beer club, I'm sorry. Drink 120 different beers. They got You get a punch card. You get a prize if you do it. Uh, it's a very prestigious club. Not, not a lot of members, but, hey, if there's 120 beer clubs, that means there's at least 120 beers. So head on out to Chuck's. Go to chuckscafe.com for full menus and her daily specials. Locations in Burbank and Darien. Again, chuckscafe.com. Okay, first email. And again, we're a little behind, so we're not going to be able to get to everybody's. Your math checked out on the 120 beer club, by the way. That does mean they have at least 120 beers. So, good job. Thank you. <laughs> well That done, was my sir. scientific study. Our guy Spike T emails one of our uh, regulars. He says, I've noticed many times uh, that Jonathan Taves, uh, I'm sorry, he'd see, I'm sorry, let me start over. Spike T says he's noticed lately that Jonathan Chaves seems so slow. I know he's played a lot of hockey. He's been through many injuries. Could this be the decline we're seeing of the great Jonathan Taves? The guy is still young. Can he rebound? Any players come to mind that have gone through the same thing? Crosby, maybe. Spike T. Uh, See, that's a good question. Can he rebound? And has there been a guy who has had a similar sort of experience? Crosby... When his numbers would go down, it was always because he was hurt and he would miss games. But I would say, like, his rate of scoring was still pretty consistent, I would believe. Right? I think if we went back and looked at the numbers, there would never be really any hugely down offensive seasons from Sidney Crosby. That's a good question. I want to do some research on that for next week. Anyone that was considered, like, among the top five 
in the game, have a total fall off, and then come back and, and get back to that level. Mm. Just off the top of my head, I'm having trouble really thinking of anybody. Yeah, I mean, who are the guys that Jonathan Taves has been compared with in his career? I've heard a lot of Joe Sackett comparisons with Jonathan Taves. Uh, Steve Eiserman. Steve Eiserman, for sure. Yeah, I'd probably look at those guys' stats and just see if they had any precipitous declines and then returns to glory. That would be something very interesting to see. Well, I'm looking at Joe Sackett's number right here, and uh, basically... A point of a point of game player. His top scoring year was 120 points in 1995-96. Then he had 74 and 65 games, 63 and 64 games, 96 points in 73 games, 81 points in 60 games. Then bounced back 118 points in 82, 79 and 82, 58 points, but that was in 58 games. So Sackick has always sort of been a point of player a point-of-game guy, even in his last two years where he was very injury-plagued. 07-08, he only played 44 games, but he had 40 points. 08-09, his final season, he played 15 games, but had 12 points. So the points were always there for Joe Sackick. And Iserman's a guy, off the top of my head, who was an elite scorer and then sort of reinvented himself. Like, he was always very good, don't get me wrong, but when the offensive numbers started to go down, he sort of reinvented himself as a defensive specialist so looking here at Iserman's numbers his career best 155 points in 88 89 let's not look at that so 92 93 Iserman has 137 points and again this is a different era Jonathan Taves was never close to anything like this in his career right but the game was different so 93 94 82 points in 58 games here we go 94 95 38 points in 47 games injuries 95 points in 80 games in 95 96 85 points in 81 games 96 97 69 points in 75 games 74 points in 80 games see he's still an elite almost point per game scorer his last two seasons 51 points in 75 games and 34 points in 61 games so there was no when the dip started to happen these guys just retired yeah I mean, that's what happened. They, they, you know, they, they played until they couldn't anymore. And that's basically, <laughs> I don't know. I hope we're not seeing the same thing with Jonathan Taves. Steve Eiserman played 1,514 games in his NHL career. Jonathan Taves, at this point, has played only 773. So almost tw over twice as long from Steve Eiserman before the, the precipitous numbers dip started to happen. So, mm-hmm. Those were the first two to come to mind. It's a little hard to, I don't know. If anyone else can think of anyone, uh, let us know. But off the top of my head, those are the two. I mean, yeah. elite scorers like Pavel Bure, who had big dips in stats, that's because of injury. He lost that breakaway speed that made him the special player he was, right? <sighs> Boy, I don't know. I don't know. It's It's hard for me to really think of a better example than those two guys. And now looking at it, their numbers have really not gone down or didn't go down the way that I predicted maybe they would have. I was listening to everything you were saying about both of those guys being point-per-game guys. I suggest to everybody that they watch Sean White's third run in the snowboard half-pipe, my friends. That is what America looks like. <clears throat> that was awesome. Isn't he like 67 years old at this point? And yet he still dominates <laughs> that freaking sport. 
It is insane, dude. This is his fourth Olympics. He just won his third gold medal. Sorry. Spoiler alert. He won his third gold medal, and he did incredible work. He is only 31, by the way. It is Uh, his fourth Olympics, though, so he has been around forever. Here's an email from uh, Gingenberger. He emailed us. Yay! (laughs) He says, since I've been unable to watch the last couple games due to the fact that I'm in New Orleans... What's your favorite travel destination? Traveling to the Bourbon A B-dubs doesn't count. Ah. XOXO overfed Gingenburger. Well, I love New Orleans when I was there. That was awesome. Pretty I'm just upset city. that it took me until the last day to find Frenchman Street, which is where like the music and art was happening, mm-hmm. which is what I was really expecting. Instead, we spent like the first two days like on Bourbon Street, and I'm like, this is stupid. This is like... You know, like when you watch an old cartoon, James, and the background just keeps looping over and over. Yes. Like it's a cartoon, like walking down the street, and they just use the same background over and over. That's what <laughs> that's what the French Quarter is like. There's like three hurricane places and two bars, and they all have the same name. And you just keep seeing them over and over. They're all Frenchman called street. Bar Louis. Yeah, exactly. Frenchman Street is where I had the best time in New Orleans, so that's one of my favorites. And uh, I love going to Ireland, but in the states. I think my go-to trip is Nashville. I love Nashville. I can't get there enough. Uh, as soon as I leave, I miss it, and I'm going in May, and I cannot wait. Well, lucky you, mister. I get like four weeks of vacation a year. Well, when you work somewhere for 18 years, James, that's what happens. That is fair enough. I I get two weeks of vacation, so yeah. Maybe I need to work at NBC for longer. And you will. You're doing a fine job. Thanks, man. Here's an email from Jennifer Kaufman. Hello, Jennifer. She says, hey, guys, I keep having flashbacks to Stan after last year's first round exit. We saw him make big moves and talk ad nauseum about what's worked and hasn't and older deals like the Seabrook contract, but that's been done. Now I'm a little worried he'll hit the panic button and sell off a bunch of young guys that are really coming into their own. I think you agree the biggest problem hasn't been the young guys, but people do dumb things when they're out of their element, and this Hawks organization is definitely out of their element. Do you have moments of panic about the trade deadline or offseason, or is it just me? I don't even mind if once key players are gone, obviously something needs to be changed, but what's the likelihood of him doing something really stupid? We sort of talked about that earlier in the show, and... I think the fact that he was sort of saying, like, look, these guys still have good hockey left in them, whether we agree or not, is a sign that he's not going to do something totally nuts in the offseason. Well, I don't think he's going to do anything nuts at the deadline. I refuse to say that he's not going to do anything nuts after the season ends. Yeah. Well, I, I still think even then, though, like, what we all right, well, let's talk about, let's say this then. What would you constitute as, like, totally insane? I can't believe he did that giving a 32-year-old defenseman an eight-year contract extension worth nearly $7 million a season that doesn't kick in until the end of next year. I hate you so much. (laughs) That would be stupid. (laughs) And there's precedent for that, isn't there? (laughs) There you go, man. (laughs) What are the odds of that happening twice? Come on. Come on. (laughs) All right, mailman Tom from Vegas. Hello, Tom from Vegas. Oh, God, I bet he's excited tonight. He says, well, this season has been a major disappointment. What are some of the positives from it that we could build on for next year? Good question. Positives, we want to be more positive. Yes. We've mentioned uh, DeBrincat. We've mentioned Schmaltz. Those are obvious. I think to a lesser extent, Eric Gustafson seems like he can play a little bit. Um, I liked what I've seen from Connor Murphy, even though Quenville is being a, uh, a baby about it. And is, whenever things go wrong, he seems to blame Connor Murphy. Dumb. I think he's been pretty damn good this year. 
Um, you know what some I of the see? prospects they've got, like, at the college level and at the junior level right now, guys like Dylan Sakura, I think that that's a really positive development that those kinds of guys are looking good. Your Henry Yokoharus and stuff like that. Those guys look good, too. I like that. Well, I saw the other day that now maybe Sakura is uh, is thinking twice about signing here. Oh, God, please don't let this happen again. That would be a disaster. That, that would be a disaster. It, absolutely, 100%. That is, like, unequivocally a disaster if that happens, if he doesn't sign with the Blackhawks. All right, Tom's more important question. He says, uh, rank these three breakfast foods, win, place, show, pancakes, waffles, French toast. Oh, shit. I'm going... All right. I'm assuming when we say waffles, we're talking about the big fat waffles, not like the little egos. Has so I'm going to go. I'm going waffles, pancakes, French toast. Oof. I hate being the guy that agrees with you on such things. But <laughs> I know you do. I got to go with it, man. Like, I, th- I feel like you're right. I feel like a well-cooked waffle, like the kind you can find at Matt's Big Breakfast in Phoenix, Arizona, one of my favorite cities in America that has to be the winner because it is freaking amazing pancakes are just they're wonderful they're always so good even if you don't cook them exactly right they still taste lovely french toast is just soggy bread that's all it is i mean the the best the best french toast is is really good but it's so easy to screw it up yeah and like replacement level french toast is bad yep Right, you might have it might max out better, might have a higher ceiling, but if you want a safer pick, you, I would put French toast at the bottom. Agreed. All right, Ponytail Dave's now with no ponytail. I guess oh. he's just Dave now. Nah, you know what? I still call him Ponytail Dave in the hope that someday he'll bring it back. Now he's adult haircut Dave. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Did he call himself that? No. No, I was going to say, if he called himself that, I'm calling BS because you're not allowed to give yourself a nickname. Dang it. That's true. <laughs> All right. He says, uh, what I would like to see for the rest of the season. Number one, wave Patrick Sharp. Any ice time he gets is a waste. Agreed. I would agree no. with that. Number two, no Brent Seabrook on the power play. When he's on the point, it is an automatic two-on-one going the other way. Also fair. Fair. I still kind of like Seabrook on the power play. Number three. You just like no... him because of his shot. Let's be clear about that, right? Well, he here's why. He actually shoots it and attempts to get it on net. Unlike number three, no more Duncan Keith on the power play. He's an offensive liability, and it can lessen, mm. and it can lessen his minutes. At this point, I'm fine taking Duncan Keith off the power play. Who are you replacing him with? I don't care. Well, all right. At this point, it doesn't matter. See what these guys have. It's going to be, you know, it'll be Patrick Sharp just to make you mad. Well, if that's the case, then screw it. But we've already (laughs) waved Patrick Sharp if we're going by adult haircut Dave's theory. Oh, yeah, that's true. If we're going in Ponytail Dave world, he's already gone. Can I read a tweet, Jay? Uh, Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Luke Stanberry tweeted at me yesterday, and I promised him we would get to it. So I am fulfilling my promise to Luke. Will Stan Bowman go after a top four defenseman in free agency? We can't afford John Carlson. Mike Green is 32. Ian Cole is inconsistent. Zdeno Chara and Eric Branson will likely resign with their teams. He suggests Calvin DeHaan from the New York Islanders making $3.3 million this season. 
has, I believe, 16 points in 35 games this season. So roughly about a half a point a game kind of guy. That intrigues me. If you want to go after him, my question would be, do you consider him a top four defenseman, Jay? On this team, yes. Yes. Um, I, I guess it all depends on what your plans are, right? I mean, if you think you're going to try to win, it would be totally reasonable to f- sign a youngish, cheapish uh, defenseman with experience. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see if I'm betting, right, if someone's saying, Jay, put your money down right now, are the Hawks going to give up after this year or are they going to try to win again? I'm going to think they're going to try to win again. Oh, absolutely. I think they're going to try to make some changes, maybe even a coaching change, maybe. But I don't think you're going to see a huge sell-off of this core. A, because you probably can't. And B, because I think that's going to be a really tough pill to swallow for John McDonough. So I think you're going to see them make some major moves uh, up top, Bowman and or Quinville. Um I would think probably more Q than Bowman if I had to pick one of those two. And you will see some roster turnover for sure. Yep. All right. Kevin Peak, last email of the show. Thank you for emailing Kevin, as always. He said, last night was the first time I volunteered not to watch a Hawks game. (laughs) Seems like I was spared some rough stuff. Let's be clear. Crawford should sit the rest of the season. No point in him getting worse and letting the cyborg goalie of Glassberg play. Here's my real question. I have listed some players below. Most are either new or Q over time has led them in his doghouse. How would you grade their season individually? And do you think they'll be in the organization next year? Eric Gustafson. Just mentioned him. I think he's been better than expected. James? I would say that he... We're probably going to have to give him an incomplete just based on he hasn't played quite enough yet, but... I would agree with Jay's assessment that it looks like he has made improvements to his game since he was uh, last sent down for more seasoning to Rockford. Okay, speaking of seasoning in Rockford, Gustav Forsling. I would grade his season as a disappointment. I don't think that he took the step forward that at least the organization thought he would. I do not think that he's the type of guy who is going to end up being a bust or anything silly like that, but... I would go ahead and grade his his season as a minor disappointment. I think I agree with you. It, it was a big disappointment. Uh, he needs to get back up here. I want to see him on the Blackhawks playing, learning at this level. I agree. At this point, I, with the playoff chances being what they are, I absolutely agree. Okay. Next name, David Kampf. I've actually been somewhat impressed by David Kampf. I like what I've seen from him in the uh, – minutes that he's played and I like that he's been willing to play the role that Joel Quenville has been asking him to play so I would say that I've been pleasantly surprised by him uh surprised by him but I'm pretty sure he's just a guy yeah I'm not saying he's like he's not John Hayden I mean let's not get ourselves here (laughs) uh Michael Kempney Michael Kempney annoys me because I feel like he has some really good moments, and then he stops playing. Like, Joel Quenville takes him out of the lineup or whatever. Yep. Like, it's kind of weird. <laughs> it is very weird. Like, I would it, like to get so a better... It's so hard to grade him. I'd like to get a better feel for him, but Quenville makes it very hard. Yes, uh, Connor Murphy. I discussed him. I like his game. I think he's only going to get better. I've been p- pretty impressed with him so far. Would you say the Blackhawks won that trade? 
well, Jomerson's been hurt and bad. Um, I think they also flipped Larry Dolphin as part of the deal to get Anthony Duclair. So you have to kind of consider that to be part of the trade too. Yeah. All right. I'll I'll give it a I'll give it at least a tie. How's that? Yeah. I'm, I'm leaning. I'm leaning like win right now just because I feel like Connor Murphy has done exactly what the Blackhawks kind of brought him in here to do. I'm just getting annoyed with the fact that, like you said, Joel Quenville just seems to reflexively like bench him randomly. Jan Ruda. Uh, I really liked his game early in the season. I feel like he has hit a massive skid. I have not liked his game at all recently. Anton Forsberg. Uh, Hard to grade him on the basis of like a Scott Darling type guy because those guys are so really infrequent in the NHL. But I would still go disappointment. I thought he would be better than he has been. All right, last one. Anthony Duclair, who is a scratch tonight, by the way. Duclair, Osterley, and Henestrosa bench tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights. That's an interesting combination that all has something in common. They're all fast? Yep. Hmm, interesting. Against a uh, Vegas Golden Knights team that, you know, they're really slow in plotting. They're not very good. Yeah, interesting. Um, I, I like Duclair so far. I want to see him... Um, what I like about his game is he seems to be pretty north and south. The problem is, like, no other Hawks are. <laughs> so that it's is true, yeah. You know, he likes to go forward, and, yeah, he'll stick handle a little bit and maybe try to take it wide and use his speed. But you don't see him, like, dipsy-doodling around with the puck all the time like every other member of the Blackhawks does. No, you so, don't. So I'd like to see him on a line with some guys that can go up and down. And uh, I think that he could thrive in that sort of a situation. You would like to see a guy go down. You know what? Come <laughs> on now. That's ridiculous. Nah, I try. That's it. Those are all the names he's got. Well, that was a lot of names. Well, let's update the Blackhawks game right now, just so people know where we are in this podcast. The Blackhawks lead one nothing on a power play goal by... If you say Brent Seabrook, I quit the podcast. Tommy Wingles. Ah, oh, see... I gave kudos to Tommy Wingles for being solid earlier. Well, That's what happens. He's got a goal. Alex DeBrinkett has an assist. Of course he does. By the way, Tommy Wingles skating in the top line tonight with, with Taves and Sod. There really aren't words. Boy, oh boy. My, how the tables have turned. <sighs> Jesus. Well, I can't wait to go watch this one. Are we doing a post-game podcast tonight? Hell no. <laughs> Here, let's do it right now. Okay. The Chicago Blackhawks won or lost to the Vegas Golden Knights. Press they one played... if they won. Press two <laughs> if they lost. They sure played well tonight. <laughs> they sure played hockey. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's true. What a goal by... Tape. Insert player here. Kane. Sod. Sharp. Seabrook. I'm not going to say Keith. We have a build your... <laughs> Dude. Okay. Well, there it is. Duncan Keith's going to friggin' score a goal tonight. It's going to happen. Good. All right. There's your build your own post-game podcast. If you guys really want one, just download uh, Audacity and you can edit your own post-game show. Enjoy. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. As always, we greatly appreciate it. Next podcast, we have a major announcement regarding Blackhawks tickets. So make sure you catch our next podcast 
We will have full details for you. Keep an eye on our Twitter account, too, because maybe we'll let you know there, too. You never know. At MadhousePod on Twitter. Until then, thanks for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe, Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, and SeatGiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE to check out the save. And remember, if you'd like to support the podcast, visit our Patreon, patreon.com slash MadhousePod, or gofundme.com slash MadhousePod. For my partner, James DeVoe, I'm Jay Zawoski. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Hot flashes, irritability, intimate dryness, even unsatisfying sex. Hi, I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck, a board-certified OBGYN who has spent over 20 years helping women just like you safely find relief from these very natural symptoms without having to resort to hormones. To help my patients feel their best, I recommend products from Bonafide Health. Bonafide is a women's health company dedicated to providing women with non-hormonal and clinically validated products that work. Bonafide provides safe and effective solutions to manage a range of menopausal, sexual health, and PMS-related symptoms. That's why I recommend Bonafide products to my patients every day. In fact, I am also a Bonafide medical advisor. What I like most is that Bonafide products provide women real relief without compromise. Ladies, don't waste another minute feeling less than your best. Go to HelloBonafide.com and use code RADIO39 to save 20%. That's HelloBonafide.com and code RADIO39. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Offer valid on subscription only. Spark innovation across your federal agency with IT hardware, software, and services from Connection Public Sector Solutions. Your technology procurement challenges will meet their match as Connection's dedicated account managers offer exceptional customer service and our extensive list of supported federal contracts means you'll always get a price that works for your budget. Learn more about innovation for your agency with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts.